Friday, March the 24th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, a master's student in civil engineering and Bonnetjes Affair expert, and with me today are crocodile criminal Molly Quell and chimney sweeper Gordon Derrick, both of whom are contributors to DutchNews.nl. So uh, guys, what are we going to discuss this week? Crocodiles. Crocodiles. Mm-hmm. Crocodiles, don't And chimneys. And chimneys. Mm-hmm. And some uh, formation. Uh, yes, oh, the right. There's, there's some oh, real yes, news. Yeah. 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 There's, there's some something. serious stuff yeah. going on. Right, yes. I forgot about that. So, um, yeah, this week uh, we'll be discussing cabinets, crocodiles, and also cartography. Uh, Dutch News is also going to be at the IM Expat Fair this weekend. So stop by and say hello if you're in attendance. The fair will be held on Saturday, March 25th at the Westergaspabeek in Amsterdam and includes exhibition space for internationally oriented companies and organizations, plus workshops. You can find more information online at amsterdam.imexpatfair.nl. We will include a link in the liner notes. And I personally will be there all freaking day. So <laughs> please come say hi to me and bring me a, a cup of tea. I think yeah. you just scared away a lot of people <laughs> now. Our top story is the efforts to form a new Dutch government, which kicked off this week with a marathon series of talks between outgoing Health Minister Edith Schippers and all 13 party leaders. Schippers has been given the job of Verkenna, which means she has to take soundings from the parties to see what coalitions are feasible. After Prime Minister Mark Rutte said he preferred to lead a majority cabinet, Schippers held a second round of talks with four parties, Rutte's VVD, the Christian Democrats, D66 and GroenLinks, which together have 85 seats in Parliament, which is enough for a comfortable majority. The four party leaders have now agreed to start coalition negotiations next week. However, Ritter acknowledged on Thursday that the differences between them were, quote, considerable, while GroenLinks leader Jesse Klaver said that the four-way combination was, quote, far from ideal. Sipper's report to Parliament, which is due to be debated on Thursday, has now been put back till Monday, and we'll be taking a closer look at the coalition talks later in our discussion. Will we be discussing their uh, identical suits? Indeed, yes, yeah. and suits and matching shirts as well. I think there must be a tailor in the Hague that's um, doing four for three deals. For, uh, for party <laughs> yeah, for, leaders, for party it leaders. must be. Yeah. In other political news, all 150 new members of parliament have taken the oath on the constitution and were sworn in on Thursday. Among familiar faces that remain in the lower house, such as Geert Wilders and Alexander Pechtold, 71 new MPs will take their seat. Among the departing MPs, for whom Chairwoman Kadija Riep all prepared a farewell speech, are some notable people, such as Harry van Bommel from the SP party. He was an MP for 19 years, one of the longest-serving MPs. Others include Fred Teve, notorious for the Bonnetjes Affaire, and Anushka van Miltenburg, former Chair of Parliament and another victim of the Bonnetjes Affaire. Among the newcomers are some remarkable faces, for example, uh, former GroenLinks party leader Bram van Ooyek re-entered parliament. Um, the youngest new MP is Rens Raamakers from D66. He is 25 years old and seven members of the cabinet has taken the oath and are now both MP and minister. So has uh, parliament now been uh, completely purged of anyone 
They're connected to the bondages of Earth. Uh, no, Rutte is in <laughs> Parliament now. Oh, of course, yeah. Although he wasn't actually involved. Was he? Every time there was a scandal, he managed to uh, wash his hands of it. But I hope, I generally hope, everyone involved in the bondages of Earth is now off the political uh, theatre. There's going to be more. They're going to the, uncover something more. Yeah, yeah so we're going to find another, another receipt yeah, or something. Exactly. Start up again. For if you're not familiar with the bondages of Earth, Please remain that way because it's an <laughs> you'll be much happier. You yeah. will be much happier. Yeah, Gordon, you described this once as the most Dutch uh, scandal ever. Yeah, it's, it's basically a scandal in which four four people have lost their job over a bit of um, administration. It is the most Dutchest of all possible <laughs> scandals. It's very true. In sweeter news, the first of a possible 160 Dunkin' Donuts restaurants opened in Amsterdam this week. This marks the return of the U.S. donut chain to the country. Several bakeries operated in the Netherlands in the mid to late 1990s, but all were closed by the year 2000. Fans of the fried dough began gathering on Wednesday evening around 11 o'clock in anticipation of the opening at 7 o'clock on Thursday morning. Lines for donuts stretched an hour long at the central Amsterdam location during the day. So queues outside bakeries yes. in the Netherlands. But for only for, for, Dunkin but for Dunkin' Donuts. for Dunkin' Donuts, yes. Which... Once you have sampled the attempts of Dutch people to make donuts, you understand why people are queuing for Dunkin' Donuts. There's sad times we live in that Marks and Spencers is closing and Dunkin' Donuts is opening. <laughs> this had this has to be a consequence of Brexit. I can't see it any other way. I think it's uh, I think it's a showcase of the uh, of the expansionist abilities of Trump's power and just how excellent of a U.S. president he's being. I have to ask a possible 160 Dunkin' Donuts in in Amsterdam or no, in, the in the Netherlands. Netherlands. Yeah. Wow, this is a mall. Yeah, he's attempted. The apparently, the part of their uh, their strategy is to open them up in gas stations and schools. In and, in and schools. schools. In schools. In more high culture news, a 17th century world map that was used to block up a chimney in Scotland has gone on display after 10 years of painstaking restoration work. The map was made by the Amsterdam-based cartographer Gerard Falk and is thought to have been published in London in around 1690. The only other two copies are in the British Museum in London and Rotterdam's Maritime Museum. Builders found the map stuffed up a chimney while renovating a house in Aberdeenshire, but it was in bad condition, uh, partly eaten by rodents and birds, and apparently it was being used to keep out drafts. Claire Thompson, a curator at the National Library of Scotland in Edinburgh, said the restoration of the map was, quote, the most difficult project I have ever tackled. The remains will be on display at the National Library until April the 17th. So if you happen to be in Scotland in the next month, uh, get over and see it. Yeah. So yeah. Scottish people... Or go to Rotterdam. <laughs> or go to, yeah, also, yeah, so go to Rotterdam where you can see a complete one. So <laughs> Scottish people use 17th century maps to keep out drafts? Apparently it's very good insulation and it does get very windy in Aberdeenshire in, 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 in February. In their defence, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. In the most interesting news story of the week... Ten criminal suspects got their day in court this week after police arrested them a year ago for what initially seemed like a typical drug bust. That is, until police showed up at the warehouse and discovered two crocodiles guarding the illicit proceeds. All ten have downplayed their role in the operation, in which they are alleged to have delivered crystal meth, GHB, and cocaine to both the Netherlands and Belgium. Unlike the drugs, the group, now dubbed the Crocodile Gang, had proper permitting for the animals, and they, unlike their owners, <laughs> remained free. 
The longest sentence of three years in prison was requested by the prosecutor for the alleged gang leader, and a verdict is expected on April 11th, 2017. I love the fact that they had a permit for the... For the <laughs> that's, that's almost as Dutch it's as so the <laughs> And what's happened to the crocodiles now? They, uh, they've remained on the premises at the warehouse, and according to the Ade, someone is going by to feed them. <laughs> the judge the just personally yeah. goes to feed Indeed, them. Indeed, yeah. a volunteer's already here. Yeah. What do you think you feed a uh, drugs crocodile exactly human <laughs> <laughs> people you want to get rid of i don't know yeah. drug dealers possibly yeah minced up drug dealers yeah i wonder if uh, willem holleder is involved in all this he will sure probably yeah, yeah. Th- there's no way he, he is always involved in everything as yeah. Willem knows. he's probably got his fingers in the crocodile somewhere <laughs> but they probably have a receipt for the crocodile so at exactly. least four members yeah, the, the, of parliament the, the, are not going to lose their jobs the, the, they this. will have full paperwork in triplicate <laughs> and it will be deposited with the accountant yeah more art news now, and two paintings by Vincent van Gogh are back in Amsterdam, 14 years after they were stolen in the night raid. The view of the sea at Scheveningen and the congregation leaving the Reformed Church in Nunen were taken from the van Gogh Museum by professional cat burglar Octava Oki Duram, who later sold them to the Italian Mafia. Last September, Mafia investigators found the paintings hidden behind a false wall in the kitchen of the mother of a Neapolitan drugs gangster who was on the run. The van Gogh Museum was delighted to see the paintings back, but less pleased to see Oki Duram bragging about his deeds in a series of appearances on Dutch TV shows, where, among other things, he claimed to have hidden out in the house of former Ajax and Barcelona footballer Patrick Clauvert while he was on the run. Clauvert was also less than pleased by the claim, which he strenuously denied and has threatened to sue. The paintings are on display until May the 14th, after which they will be restored and reframed. Yes, this is absolutely an amazing story. We will include a link to the documentary about him uh, in the liner notes. But uh, uh, the the amazing thing is that this guy was just walking around the street and he saw the Van Gogh Museum and he was like, well, perhaps I can break in. And then he went around the corner, stole a ladder, climbed on the roof, uh, uh, opened a window and and, and brought the paintings uh, uh, to his house. He initially wanted to steal the aardappel eaters, the potato eaters, Mm. but that uh, appeared to be too big to fit through the window, so he settled and took the other two most important uh, Mm. paintings of the museum. I think he said he went for the two smallest paintings, didn't he? The ones that you could actually fit in. Yeah, he he has some problems fitting the the original painting uh, in the window. Um, And uh, after it was stolen, people... Uh, ask questions like how 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 much money are these paintings mm-hmm. worth and they just didn't know because they were never on sale the value of this painting is just immensely and uh, he was almost caught by the police uh, at one point but uh, th- they they completely surrounded his apartment building but he he jumped from uh, from balcony to balcony to balcony climbed yeah. the, uh, climbed yeah. another roof eventually and uh, the next day he was in Barcelona apparently um, uh, knocking on the door of a famous uh, famous soccer player uh, yeah. Patrick Clavert. was probably what I would do if I was uh, stranded in Barcelona as well. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he claimed he played junior football with Clavert. Ah. That, that, that's how he knew that's him. That's why I knew him. Okay. Yeah, but Clavert said he, he, he didn't, you know, he wasn't a friend or anything and he denied that he'd been in his house. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the the problem with this painting is, or at least that's what the museums are always telling them, uh, is that you cannot sell them, right? If you yeah. steal them, no one wants them. But he, he actually didn't have any problem. He didn't have any context in, 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 mm. in the art dealing world, and he had no problem selling them. Yeah. <clears throat> and I thought, first of all, he tried to sell them to uh, one of the people who was involved in the Heineken kidnapping. Yes. Yeah. 
That's because everything in this country goes revolves. Back to okay. So yeah. my question is: no, is, then, is and, there and, anyone involved in the Bonnaches affair affiliated <laughs> with this story? Because there must be somehow. Somehow, somehow. Yeah. But the guy he initially tried to sell the paintings to uh, was assassinated on the date that the actual uh, handover would, would would take place. So yeah, which was slightly damned his ambition there. Yeah. yeah, but obviously, if they had, if, if the paintings had been on sale, and they would have had a receipt for them, they'd have been able to track them down much easier. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So an amazing story. Look yeah. at the uh, look at the. Uh, yeah, the documentary is incredibly yeah. interesting. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's a good job it didn't end up in the hands of a Scottish criminal, or we'd have probably used some. <laughs> 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 Uh, it's unknown if the paintings were guarded by crocodiles, though. <laughs> In uh, boring news now, the Dutch statistics agency CBS released this morning that the government will have a budget surplus of 2.9 billion euros, which is 14 times higher than Finance Minister Jeroen Duisselbloem expected a month ago. The last time a cabinet had a surplus was in 2008, and the Dutch economy grew 2.2% in 2016. How Mr. Duisselbloem is going to spend the extra money is yet unknown, but he argued before he prefers to build financial buffers rather than to spend it on, for example, alcohol and women. Because Jeroen Duisselbloem's been in trouble this week, hasn't he, for some comments he made about the spending habits of uh, countries in Southern Europe. Yes, indeed. He had been, uh, uh, he said in his capacity as leader of the Eurogroup that he uh, has some hard uh, times uh, lending money to uh, southern uh, European countries or actually countries in general if they're going to spend it on women and on alcohol uh, obviously referring to southern uh, European countries that have been lending uh, money uh, in the past uh, years of course uh, Portugal already uh, asked uh, him to resign from the Eurogroup uh, I think Italy as well and Greece so uh, it's it's probably not going to uh, be a second term for Mr. Dijsselbloem it's in sport, the Dutch national team will have to face Bulgaria without Tottenham striker Vincent Janssen in a crucial World Cup qualifier in Sofia on Saturday. Janssen missed training this week due to illness. His place is likely to be taken by Bas Dost. Ian Robben is also carrying an injury, but is expected to start the game. If Organia failed to win the Group A tie, they could be overtaken in second place by Sweden, who are at home to Belarus. Elsewhere, Max Verstappen said he was disappointed to finish only sixth in the second practice session for the Australian Grand Prix, and tweeted that he was looking for a, quote, better balance in qualifying. Yes, I'm very much looking forward to uh, to Max Verstappen and uh, what he's going to uh, achieve in the coming year. And who he's going to try and run off the uh, circuit this time. As we mentioned at the beginning, preliminary talks have begun to form the next Dutch government. Four parties, the VVD, the Christian Democrats, D66 and GroenLinks, will begin negotiations next week to try to put together a majority cabinet. The main fault line is between Mark Rutte's conservative economic agenda and GroenLinks leader uh, Jesse Klaver, who favours a change of direction to a more left-wing tax-and-spend approach, particularly now that the next cabinet has an extra 3 billion euros at its dis disposal as you really heard before. If GroenLinks drops out of the negotiations, there is a potential alternative to form uh, a coalition with Christian Union, who would give the cabinet a slender majority in both houses. So what do we know uh, now and uh, how are the talks likely to proceed? So what we've had so far is um, uh, Edith Schippers has been talking to all the parties, first of all, um, and then narrowed it down to really these four parties, 
um, who are the most likely coalition on the face of the election result, although not so likely maybe in terms yes, of... Yes, because uh, last week she had meetings with yeah. every party leader yeah. and they expressed their uh, uh, preferred uh, coalition. And based on that, uh, she invited these four parties to... Uh, well, to have the uh, preliminary talks. Yeah. And uh, none of this is surprising. I mean, we sort of predicted exactly we, this yeah, we last predicted week, which exactly this. does not make us, I mean, we are obviously <laughs> very intelligent <laughs> and super knowledgeable, but everyone else was yeah. literally also predicting this. I think basically, so. yeah, I think basically uh, when you look at the result, it's, uh, well, certainly you've got these three parties as a, as a core, the uh, Fefe Day, the, uh, the CDR, and Desis and Zesta. The motor block. They're, they're called the motor block, yeah, which is basically a core of three parties. They got 71 seats, and then they just need to find a fourth partner and the first choice is Hoon Links and that's sort of what uh, yeah and the first choice is Hoon Links because they have what, 14 seats in mm. parliament yeah. now as opposed to Christian Uni which is yeah. six um, because it's a very slender majority with them even though there is you know as Rota has sort of said like Hoon Links really pulls this sort of coalition quite far to the left yeah so the the problem here now is are, are these three uh, core parties willing to negotiate a coalition with a party that is uh, uh, ideological very far away but will lead to a comfortable uh, majority or will they uh, have a coalition with a smaller party which will lead to a uh, very small majority of only one seat but is ideologically much closer uh, 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 with these three parties and will you know uh, make negotiations a lot easier yeah, and I think what's uh, been interesting so far is that the one leader who really um, stood up for this coalition or said it was his preference was uh, Pechtold of D66 because he, yes. he he's he's keener, I think, to work with Hoon uh, Links, even though uh, um, D66 isn't a particularly left-wing party, but it's a progressive party. And uh, I think he, he sees a Christian Uni would um, would block some of his progressive um, policies, such as uh, the, the right to die legislation. So Pechtel's quite keen, I think, to have Hoon Links in the talks, certainly initially. That, that for him, is a better balance within the coalition. So yeah. what what are the coalition, what, what are the big issues that they're hinging on? So I've seen a lot of discussion about how the CDA and the Vivi Day have a uh, agreement or, or similar interest in kind of strengthening immigration rules, including passing legislation that would make it a crime to be in the Netherlands, quote, without papers, mm. um, which is opposed by both De Sassesta and Kroonlinks. Mm. Alternatively, I mean, Kroonlinks has been pushing a lot of uh, environmental and, and energy legislation, which is unsurprisingly since they are the green mm. left party. Um, so what kind of what what stuff hinging on here? What are the big uh, yeah points? Well, uh, um, Mark Rutte is a, an excellent negotiator. If if there is anyone who can pull this off, it's probably Mark Rutte uh, to 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 build bridges between these well parties that are so very far away from each other. But there are four major uh, uh, areas in which we can uh, uh, um, expect uh, well a lot of difficulties. One, for example, is climate. Climate. Uh, that's of course uh, uh, Links is, is very passionate about that and they really want uh, 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 something to happen uh, on that field Yeah, I think on, on the actual green policies there isn't so much to, um, um, distance between them but it's more on the issue of how you actually finance it I right. mean, Clav wants to finance yeah. it through more taxes um, things like uh, kilometre tax which the Fefe Day are dead against they're very much the party of the motorist um, uh, whereas uh, the Fefe Day think that this should be funded basically by private enterprise and um, by you know, um, green energy becoming more kind of uh, profitable uh, and so and ultimately and then that comes back so so it, it's two different visions of how you finance it either you have uh, you can finance it 
through the tax system or um, it comes back to actually to, to, to bill payers. Yeah. In, um, interestingly enough, Mark Rutte a f- couple of years ago wrote an essay regarding uh, uh, climate control and uh, uh, ecological uh, ideas and, he, and the title of that essay was Green Right, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. So perhaps there is some common ground there. They can maybe use that essay to find some uh, uh, some common ground, and that is also the, um, uh, the 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 approach of the negotiation talks, as proposed by Mark Rutte. Try to work from the common ground and uh, try to solve your differences from there, rather than to focus on the differences and 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 work to a coalition from there. That was actually the approach they took uh, with the former co- uh, the the previous coalition talks with the PVDA. That turned out to be quite excellent because you know they managed to uh, to have a cabinet for four years the first time in uh, in, in two decades almost right. yeah. um, so although yeah although I think the cool links can be very mindful of what happened to the PFADR um, yeah, when, when yeah. that coalition yeah, was in definitely. office because they took yeah. an absolute tanking of the election uh, two weeks ago so I think Yessa Clavers can be very yeah very cautious I think going into that and he'll really I think look to extract as much um, from um, yeah, Mark Rutte as he can which is why my feeling is that these Negotiations are not going to be quick. I yeah, we, we don't have to uh, <laughs> underestimate the, uh, the the smell of power. Yeah. <laughs> the smell of a cabinet uh, can uh, is, is is often too tempting for parties. Uh, uh, then they lo- they're looking f- forward to ha- being in a cabinet mm-hmm. rather than looking forward to uh, what what might happen to our party in four years. It's always a more attractive prospect to um, be pushing your agenda from a ministerial office than from the opposition benches. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah, where for for an MP. Uh, an MP can actually write a law, but that usually takes three years uh, before they actually uh, written a law, and then it has to go through Parliament. Right. And then, uh, where so indeed, it's um, it's much more tempting to to be in a, uh, a cabinet than to uh, uh, sit in the benches of, uh, of of Parliament. Yeah. So, what are the other uh, big points? So we've t- we've talked a bit about climate. So that's obviously a bit of a point of contention. What else are they negotiating about in this thing? Um, immigration was a big discussion during the election. Mm. Is it a big discussion in these cabinet coalition discussions? I, I think uh, asylum is going to be a big stumbling point yeah. um, between you've got very much a Fafidi and Sadiar on one side uh, who want a much tighter, uh, more controls on immigration and uh, fewer asylum seekers against Dezins and Zestuch and um, Links who both want a more. Uh, let's say a more humanitarian approach right. uh, so you know m- 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 more refugees if there's more conflict in the world uh, and uh, you know and they're against this policy uh, of Rutte that he tried to get in the last cabinet of um, making it illegal to be in the country if you if you have no papers right yeah but they have this this cu- this sort of yeah motor core what are we calling it <laughs> Mo- motor block <laughs> Uh, runs into this problem with the Christian Uni as well because they're sort of pr- they have this kind of very pro-Christian perspective, which is mm. also kind of you know welcoming people to the table. So this, this they kind of run into this uh, a bit of both ways. Yeah, so it's 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 interesting to see because uh, on these issues that we've discussed, you you never have these two camps, right? right. It's mm. always uh, on one issue you have a three to one or two, and another yeah. issue two to one, and then uh, that that's that that's uh, uh, switches. So that's interesting to see. And 
um, that might be fruitful for the negotiations uh, uh, if you have like different teams uh, you can team up with. Mm. One advantage that Grutter has is that um, within this four-party group, he can form a majority within that coalition with any one of the other three parties. So I'd expect him to um, use that as a basis to work and maybe where he's got agreement with one party to get together with them and get that point uh, sorted out against the other two and then move on to uh, other issues. I think you might see a lot of sort of cards being handed around um, uh, between the parties. Yeah. Yeah, in, in a kind of game of, you know, Clavier or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> a, a card game, yeah. Um, so, so what else? What are the other big... Uh, so we've, we've talked about two. Um, what are the, the big... Yeah, another facing? option might be a uh, minority cabinet with uh, CDA, D66 and uh, uh, VVD. Um, so if... Uh, and we're, we're looking ahead of, of, of things now. But if, if the negotiations with uh, GroenLinks fail, if the negotiations with... Uh, uh, Christian Union fails, then there's always an option to have a minority cabinet, but that's not preferred by anyone. I think that's uh, 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 that's the last measure they will take, mm. um, and they can also, of course, team up with the PVV. I so I heard <laughs> on on Twitter, of course, that uh, Wilders uh, was interested in being at the, the yeah. The Wil talks. Wil Wilders was uh, offended that he wasn't. Uh, asked to uh, to join the co uh, the coalition talks or the preliminary talks um, even though um, let me see Rutte had a campaign promise not to form a coalition with the PVV Buma had that as well and Pechtold had that as well so right. I don't know where this uh, where, right. why he is surprised mm -hmm. that this uh, didn't happen yeah and, and of course Wilders himself said that he wouldn't um, uh, go into coalition with the PVV either as long as Rutte was in charge so mm -hmm. he didn't uh, categorically rule out the PVV he mm -hmm. only personally ruled out Mark yeah. Rutte so he broke a uh, Campaign promise. Campaign promise there. Yeah. The first one, actually, it took him uh, 18 hours. Yeah, uh, something yeah. like that. Uh, election day. Excellent work, Wilders. Mm. Yes. So he's uh, he's not uh, negotiating now. Uh, and, uh, yeah. uh, he's on Despite uh, the international press really hoped uh, he would, of course. He expected him yes, to be Yes, but now minister. the international <laughs> press wants to write uh, 87 uh, think pieces about Yasa Klaver, of Indeed. course, because yeah. he bats uh, his pretty eyelashes. He's going to be the, uh, be the yeah. kingmaker. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so what everyone's using. That's fine. At least <laughs> yeah. they will stop with the uh, headlines of Dutch Donald Trump, Indeed. because I'm very tired of reading It's going to be Dutch uh, Justin Trudeau instead. Yeah, Dutch, <laughs> yeah, Dutch Justin Trudeau. Yeah. Um, so what what's next? What's what's coming up in the next week well, with this? Traditionally, kind of uh, traditionally, we always had uh, elections, results, a informateur appointed by the Queen. That role has been taken by uh, Edith Schippers, even mm -hmm. though she didn't, she wasn't called uh, an informateur. She's called Verkenner. Verkenner, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is basically the role of an informateur. Mm. So uh, uh, you know, all my <laughs> all my knowledge of uh, <laughs> formation is uh, is useless now because they're taking different approaches. But it used to happen: uh, you have an informateur; they're going to talk with all the parties, and based on that, they will uh, name a formateur who is going to lead the negotiation talks. Hmm. Uh, we don't even know if on Monday the actual negotiations will start, start. or if it's just a pre still a preliminary. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, talks. I'm not uh, not entirely sure. We will see that. And on Monday we will have a debate mm. about the um, uh, uh, report written by uh, Verkenner Schipper. Um, so uh, we're gonna have uh, to see how that uh, turns out in yeah, the parliament. Yeah, we have more detail of uh, exactly what the party leaders have said to her. So 
the coalition forming process always takes a very long time. I think we remind the listeners that mm. we, we've probably got months of this. So we yes. will be yes. updating you as things come along. Although hopefully next week, maybe we have a discussion on a topic that is not directly related <laughs> to the elections. Because we won't know anything um, more anyway. Because I, I think the discussion for next week should focus around which is the best flavor of donut from God, I'm going to be sick next uh, next week. Me too. We're all going to be we're sick, be sick. <laughs> by the time we yeah. get done sampling all of Dunkin', Dunkin Donuts' oh, uh, selection. Oh. Yes. Uh, so pr- we will die before that. So, uh, <laughs> we, we, we won't see uh, uh, what new cabinet will be formed, unfortunately. Yeah, it'll be death by donuts. Death by donuts. Death by donuts. I'm yeah. sure someone will take over this podcast and do yeah. an excellent job. I hope so. Yeah. Murphy, Murphy, Murphy can step yeah, it up. Murphy can do it. Although his his whole discussion is just going to be very pro uh on the Dira, so maybe we don't want to <laughs> hand it off to him. We'll be very biased. Right. Yeah, fake news. Yes. Um, okay, I think that's all we have uh, for you this week. Uh, if you like our podcast, don't forget to rate us. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we talked about uh, in the liner notes. You can now send comments, compliments and abuse by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. My thanks to Molly Quell and Gordon Derrick. I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week. <laughs>